This week's Dairy Defined podcast was recorded in New Orleans, where the National Milk Producers Federation is holding its annual meeting. Speaking today is Missouri dairy farmer and NMPF chairman Randy Mooney, who addresses the state of dairy farming, the challenges of the past year, and the opportunities farmers will have in 2020 in remarks at the meeting. So let me get to some of the issues. I'm not going to dig into these issues because the staff's going to do that, but I want to make a couple of comments about them. Uh, immigration. The immigration bill was introduced last week in the House. What I have found in National Milk is when all of us in the room get together, we can have success in getting legislation passed. Immigration is not a large farm issue. It's not a small farm issue. It's a dairy farm issue. I had the worst year on my farm last year that I've ever had. And it wasn't necessarily about economics. It was about labor. I had a labor problem. Economics don't make any difference if you don't have anybody to do the work. We've got an opportunity here in this House bill to get it passed. And we're going to be sending out through National Milk to the co-ops information on who to contact, how to contact to get this done. So I'm asking you, let's put our weight, let's put the weight of the U.S. dairy industry behind this immigration bill, and let's see if we can get it through the House. Mike pointed out yesterday there's several steps. You've got to get it through the House, you've got to get it through the Senate, then you've got a conference. It's not going to be perfect, but we've got to get it done. Okay, margin recovery of the farm bill. I'm proud of what we did here. I'm not going to get into the details. I'm going to give you a little behind-the-scenes baseball of how this happened. Uh, this is a good program. My regrets in this program are that we didn't have it in 2014. It makes me sick when people go out of business because they went broke or they financially couldn't stay in the business. If we had had this program in 2014, it wouldn't have kept people from going out of business because I don't think, I think we could have $30 milk and we're still going to have the attrition of small farms and larger farms getting bigger. That's agriculture. But at least if we had had this program four years ago, uh, farmers that went out could have been, went out in a little better financial shape. That's what this program will do the next five years, four years left on this farm bill. It'll allow farmers in catastrophic situations, if we get into one, to be able to recoup some money here through this program, and that's important. And let me tell you a little bit about what happened here when we did this. Uh, we left this meeting three years ago in Nashville and we had an economic policy committee meeting that was led by Keith Murfield. We went into a room, large farms, small farms, and we hammered out the details of what we wanted in a farm bill. We had two or three meetings in March of that year, March of the next preceding year, uh, the next year, we took that to the House Ag Committee, Senate Ag Committee, they sent it and had it scored by CBO. We started getting phone calls. I got a phone call. Ken Nobis got a phone call. I know Pete Kappelman got phone calls. CEOs of our cooperatives got phone calls and said, what are you guys doing? What are you thinking? We had a baseline of zero at the time for dairy, and I don't want to get into the weeds, but CBO scored this is going to cost four to five billion dollars. One of them asked me, what's Jim Mulhern smoking? You guys aren't going to get this. You're going to lose every bit of credibility that you got on the Hill. So when I started here, I don't really care what Jim smokes, but when, when I hear that we're going to lose credibility on the Hill, that worries me. That sets off alarm bells. So I called Jim. I said, Jim, we got a problem. So after I told him what I thought the problem was, he said, Randy, calm down. We're three years away from a farm bill. 
We're three, you don't negotiate now. You wait till the end. We may have to change, but we don't negotiate now. I said, okay, I'm with you. The board of directors, the co-ops in this room stuck with us. And I know a lot of you was getting pressure, stuck with us. We got to November and December last year. We got everything we wanted, everything we wanted. Plus the top tier was $9. We jumped that to 950 and we got the feed cost adjuster. And we did that because every one of you in this room, large producer and small producer, stuck together. We can do anything if we stick together. I'm not gonna get into the details here. It says 23,000 enrolled, 85%. The way I would talk about this slide, 100% of the farmers who wanted to be in this program are in the program. It talks about how they took a one year or five year option. This tells me they're managing their business the way they should. You should manage your own business. This is a success. Okay, tariff mitigation. This frustrated me. I'm grateful to the Congress for helping dairy farmers as much as they did. But trade has been killing us. We've lost $1.5 billion a year for the last two years, 18 and 19, because of trade and what's going on. I believe those numbers. We've got back with both programs together probably close to a half a billion. Uh, what really, and I appreciate getting the money, but what really bothers me is the, what the consumer is hearing is that the government has still paid out $12 billion in 2018, which it wasn't 12, it was seven, and they paid out 21 billion in 2019, which it wasn't, it's 12. The consumer still thinks we've been made whole, and we haven't. Trade. We did get some help on the Japanese trade agreement. Uh, they put some stuff in there that had been negotiated on TPT. That, that helps us. Um, so that helps. There's a lot of work being done on trade. Uh, China, we need to get China back. Um, just some factoids. Not guaranteeing you're all right, but I want to I throw these out there just kind of as a trend. Um, I read somewhere the other day that the U.S. consumer consumes $65 billion worth of dairy products a year. The Chinese consumer today consumes $62 billion worth of dairy products a year. It's not a day, it's a year. $65 billion a year, $62 billion a year. If you go back 10 years, Chinese consumers was consuming about $20 billion. The Chinese government has told their people that they need to triple, triple their consumption of dairy products. So going from $60 billion, tripling that, you're up close to, well, obviously, $180, close to $200 billion in the next few years. We need to be there. We need to be there, and we're locked out. You talk about prices. I started off talking a little bit about prices. How do we sustain that? We get back in some of these markets is how we sustain it. You've all seen this slide before talking about uh, within that circle, half the world's population's in that circle. That's not the point I want to make with this slide. The point I want to make is I was at a U.S. DEC annual meeting a couple of weeks ago. Mike Haddad from Shriver, CEO, was on the panel. Uh, Stan Ryan from Dairy Gold was on the panel talking about what they're doing in the world. Offices in Singapore. U.S. DEC's got an office in Singapore now. DFA's got an office in Singapore now. If you would aggregate all the stuff we're doing in the globe, you look at Leprino Foods, what they're doing in the world. You look at Shriver Foods, Leprinos, that's all U.S. dairy farmer milk being exported. We're doing a lot. We're doing a lot more than we did five years ago. We're doing more than we did two years ago. But we're doing a lot. But we don't need to stop. We need to do more. FARM. 
4.0, Karen Jordan's in the crowd somewhere. Karen is a dairy farmer from North Carolina who's a veterinarian, practices veterinary medicine. She's the chair of our Animal Health and Wellbeing Committee. She helped put this together. It's a dairy farmer that leads that. Uh, it's a good program. 4.0 goes, goes into effect in January, and they're going to talk about that later. The only thing I'd say about this slide other than that is my district meeting uh, was last Wednesday, Jan and I went, and that's ground zero for me in the co-op politics world. So 40 farms represented around the table. One guy, the ladies up presenting, talking about 4.0, gonna go, go into effect. A guy raises his hand to ask the question, I, I put my head down thinking, here we go. And he says, how are we getting the news out on this program to the, to the consumers? How are we doing that? So she explains it. He said, good, we've got to let these people know. I'm glad we got this program good. We've got to let these people know that we're taking care of our land. We're taking care of our farms. And the whole room then started talking about how good this program was. Four years ago, I sat in that same room, and I thought I was going to get tired and feathered. That's how this program is resonating with producers. And we've got to keep going. Okay, let me change gears just a little bit. I want to thank my family. This is my wife, Jan. I couldn't do what I do without her. It's my daughter, Christina, and the three grandkids. But I put this picture up here not to talk about me. I want to talk about you and your families. What you guys do is amazing. What your families do while you're gone is amazing. But I tell you, I'm getting tired of people telling me that I don't take care of my land, and I don't take care of my cows, and I'm getting tired of being used as a pawn in a global trade scheme. Dairy farmers play an important role in society. We help preserve communities. I can take you to Southwest Missouri and drive you through Southwest Missouri that 10 years ago there was 50 to 100 dairy farms in those communities having gross income of anywhere from $500,000 a year to $2 million a year, gross income that those farms plowed back into those communities. In those small towns, they had a couple of banks, two new car dealerships, they had tire shops, they had everything. You go through those towns today, they may have a convenience store. And people say, what happened to those towns? Well, I can tell you what happened to those towns. The dairies went out. Every two weeks we get a check. That money's plowed back into communities. And I worry about Wisconsin. Ten years Ten years ago, that was Missouri. And you hear what's happening in Wisconsin and other places. And 20 years from now, they're going to say, what happened to Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin? Well, I can tell you what happened to it. We take pride in our work as early rising, hardworking, resilient farmers willing and able to bear all the challenges. But we can be too easily taken for granted. There's some people convinced we're trying to harm them when we're carefully producing the most nutritious, safest food available in the world. We're often blamed for environmental problems and climate change that we didn't cause, even when we are implementing every technology we can afford on our land to protect resources for future generations. We're often blamed for animal cruelty when in fact there are times when the real abuses on our farms are committed by those who will do anything in their crusade to advance their animal rights agenda. The U.S. needs to fight trade wars, but too often farmers are the ones left to pay the cost of lost business opportunities overseas. We need to jump in front of the issues that are pushing farmers off their land. 
We need to proactively set a strategy for our industry that everyone can support. And I applaud DMI and Tom Gallagher and the board of directors of DMI for the 2030 project that I know that we'll, they will be talking about later on today or tomorrow. We need to commit to leading in trade policy. Secretary Vilsack does a tremendous job. USDEC does a tremendous job. National Milk does a tremendous job. But I think what we need on trade policy, environment, any major issue, immigration, we need 80 or 100 farmers that are very well versed in this stuff. And when we get hit with a trade issue or a, an immigration issue, we've got 100 farmers say, go to the hill, let's, let's stay there till we get somebody's attention. The hired guns that we can't have can't do it all. We've got to figure out a different way of doing it ourselves. We need to commit to leading and developing new markets. We need to commit to leading in innovation and on the farm and in the retail chain, not just producing what our factories produce because we don't have enough money to change our factories, figure out what the consumer wants, figure out how we work together closely and get it done. I looked at a map the other day of co-op plants in the United States and you guys have heard me talk about consolidation. I don't mean merger, forget merger. But I looked at a map the other day about consolidation in plants, or I looked at consolidate where the plants were, and we've got plants on top of plants on top of plants, and none of us can afford to do what we need to do in any of the plants. Let's figure out a way to consolidate some of those plants and change them to what consumers want. We need to commit to leading, we need to commit to being leaders of a knowledge-based industry that is looking down the road and around the corner, not just doing what we've always done. And we are a family that needs to work together to deal with all of these issues and changes just as we've always done. And like all of you, I'm extremely proud to be a dairy farmer producing the most nutritious food in the world, and, I've and I'm absolutely tired of being at the bottom of the food chain when we are the food chain. We produce dairy products, we take it through our cooperative, take it to the consumer. We are the food chain, and I'm tired of being at the bottom. So let's commit this next year to this 2030 project. Let's figure out what it is, and when we come back here next year, let's have a strategy that changes the direction of this industry. Thank you.